Welcome to Architects of Imagination, a game dev podcast where we talk to the brilliant minds behind your favorite video games. Uh, today's episode, I would like to welcome Gregory McMartin. Uh, how you doing, Greg? Fantastic. Very great. Great, great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, why don't we open by uh, just introducing yourself. Tell us where you're working now, um, where you kind of started in game development, and, and some of the bigger games that you've worked on. Sure, let's try to sum that up real quickly. So I've been making games since coming out of high school, uh, 1994. I graduated and immediately started working on my first video game with uh, John Maver, who's still in the game industry, and two other guys, Stan Defoe and Shazad Balak, three of us, we made a first indie game back then called Radix Beyond the Void. It wasn't a big hit, but it was our first video game. We learned a ton, and it basically, John and I never looked back. We just kept moving forward. The other two guys went back to school. <laughs> but I've never turned back since then. Um, things I've been known for, you know, the, the, my, I would say that I worked on some stuff in the 90s. I worked on a game called uh, Add-on Pack for Quake, called Aftershock for Quake. I actually did all the textures that you see in the after, in that I did all of the levels in episode three. Uh, lots of experimentation I did back then with single-player level design. Uh, to this day, I'm still proud of those levels, actually. I, I did some pretty cool stuff. Um, and it was the very first thing to show up on the stores next to Quake. <laughs> this will be way back in the day. Quake came out, and then we literally had Aftershock on the shelves. I think it was like two months after Quake release. It was sitting there, unofficial add-on pack. Um, people made a part of that. And then I, I actually uh, I worked at Cave Dog Entertainment for a while and was the, uh, sort of director for a big, big project called Amen the Awakening that did get a lot of press and, and a lot of buzz in the late 90s, but then our company, Cave Dog Entertainment, kind of imploded all around us, and um, it never got to see the light of day, but again, that was an unbelievably awesome experience. We had like a 45-person team, unbelievable, dripping with talent, like just dripping with talent. My level design team had Jay Wilson, who went on to game direct, uh, uh, went to Blizzard, and game directed Diablo 3, um, a whole list of other guys. Like I could go to my whole team, and they're all, almost all of them have gone off to awesome careers. Bright Bagwell, has went off to become a you know, very successful. Uh, he's not he's at Google now, I think. Um, anyways, it was it was cool. But I would say that that, that the game I'm probably the most known for uh, overall is a little game called Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets PC. Um, I, 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 I basically designed and game directed that, that project. Um, it was an awesome, awesome, awesome project. I'm so proud to this day. I'm very proud of that game. And it's funny because we've recently had people over the last 20 years coming back and saying thank you for that game. Thank you for that game. And I recently went on to a, uh, there's a streamer who plays Harry Potter games, the old Harry Potter 1 and 2 PC games, um, that has been playing, and he brought me, and I, I pulled an old game dev team member from that team, from the, the Amaze Entertainment, from Harry Potter Team of Secrets PC, into this sort of interview we had, the two of us, and he, he just started going through and showing us all his tricks and tr how he was playing our game, how he's breaking our game, all the things he's, all the ways he, he found to exploit our game, this is a, this is a, this is a what do you call it, a, you know, someone who's playing, the, what's, what's it called? Games done quick? This is the guy that's, what's, what's that name of somebody who's playing the game to as fast as possible? Like that's speed plays? Speed plays, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was showing me all the tricks. It was just an awesome, very awesome experience because all the, 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 the chat was full of people going, thank you for this game, blah, 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 blah. So it's like delayed reaction. You know, you work in this industry and like unlike any other entertainment industry, when you're making video games, you typically you do all this stuff in this piece of software and you throw the software out there and then theoretically some people are out there having fun with it, but other than getting some numbers back in cold analytics, you just have no real direct appreciation for the kind of entertainment experience those people are getting, right? Um, and it's, 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 it's kind of uncanny. We're the only entertainment industry that doesn't get to immediately get that sense of, like when you're performing on a stage, you get the applause, you know, um, and, and of course, you know, um, 
So, anyways, um, that that was that was a really cool that was a really cool game, uh, and I'm really proud of that. And then, you know, I actually worked on, I went to Radical Entertainment here in Vancouver. I, I worked on um, Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction, sort of a principal tech game designer, scripter, you know, sort of one of the, one of the basically, the principal creatives on the team. I helped ship it, helped get all the, get everything ready and going. For, that was a fantastic experience. Um, and, then, and then I worked on Scarface, The World is Yours as well. So I moved to that team and shipped that game, did all the gangness. If you remember the gangness in that game, everybody playing Scarfest, where you basically the, the world had these gangs that would turn up based on time of day. So they night, you know, and then you basically could go and get a big fight going with, with the gang with the gangsters, kill a bunch of gang members, and then the gang leader would get in the car and take off and you have a chase and you could take them down. And then you'd permanently would get rid of that gang and it was sort of a that was sort of linked into the metagame. I did all that and then I, I that game developing that game, I worked on Scarface for about a year. I had killed more virtual bad guys during that production that I'd ever killed playing video games my entire life. I, 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 I kid you not. And so I basically, it, it was kind of, it broke, it broke the camel's back at that point. I'm like, I'm no longer, I'm never again going to work on games that are just exploitively violent, death and destruction, rewarding you for dealing drugs and, you know, killing and getting, buying lots of stuff. And it's, to me, I just, I felt that it was morally, a morally bankrupt game. And I, I really was kind of done with that kind of stuff. So that really... It propelled me to, to form interdimensional games in, in 2006, um, and I've been in, we've been in, independent ever since. Uh, you know, I, we shipped a game called Consortium in 2014 that did get quite a lot of quite a lot of critical ravings and whatnot. But you know, we did we did have some technical bumps upon it launching, and it never really recovered um, per se. Uh, but we kept pushing forward. You know, we're, we're an unusual game company, and I can get to that in a second. But um, we then worked on. And shipped, partially shipped, a game called Consortium The Tower. It's, it's in early access. It's, it's a big chunk of the game is playable. But it's mostly a skeletal structure of the finished game. A lot of the production itself isn't in there yet. And as a result, once again, it's been barely, you know, it hasn't been, hasn't been played by lots of people. But it's, 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 the infrastructure is in place for what we, I think is an extremely cool, immersive sim story-driven game that will be finished. And we're actually right now working on bringing all of that code base up to the latest version of 4.27. Uh, based on the code base of Consortium VR, which is the game we just released. <laughs> so if anybody listening to this has a MetaQuest 2, there's an experience you've never had before. It's called Consortium VR. Just look it up. You can you can buy it and play it right now. Uh, and it is a completely new paradigm of game. It's like nothing I've ever worked on, nothing I've ever played, and guaranteed nothing like you've ever played as well. <laughs> which is which is it's a very cool place to be, I think. It's pretty Tell pretty us fun. what's what's unique and different about it. You, you I remember yeah. you talking earlier. You you were mentioning it's it's different than anything else that it's completely ever been made. different. So, dig into that yeah. a little bit. What tell tell us what, yeah. what's unique about it? Absolutely. Okay, so one of the main commonalities of most story-driven games, especially in the AAA sphere, all the big AAA productions, are that you, you have, you assemble, you, you basically get a write, you get writers or writing teams or what have you to create a story. They call them narrative designers, I guess, for the, someone that's trying to find a way to bridge that gap between what the story is and what the game is. So they're called narrative designers. So they sit down, they write these scenes, and then eventually they get put into these pipelines where you have a massive army of, of artists and animators, and they, they bring these scenes to life. You know, they just do all this choreography, and they, they, they you know, they have you have people that work in Hollywood understand how to work with a camera and how to how to use the camera to create dramatic shots and to zoom in on faces when they, but the character says something really important, and on and on and on. All this master, you know, all this work, all this effort being put into bake a scene like it's a film, and then they just play it back every now and then to the player. Like that, that's essentially what story-driven games are right now. And in my opinion, that's completely going the wrong direction. It's like, it's not sustainable. It's too expensive. 
the the hard drive space is way too big. You know, these games are like a hundred, a hundred gigs now, and it's crazy <laughs> stuff. Like, what is going on? Like, it's just not sustainable. And the, and most of these games are only played once all the way through by a player. And it's like, it just it just it just strikes me that there's something missing. Like, I, for instance, um, yesterday I booted up. That's oddly enough, a fan of of Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets PC gifted me a coffee, a copy of of Hogwarts Legacy for Steam. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I installed it. it and played it yesterday and tried to play it with my family, and they were. It was a fun like experience basically it felt like a movie was happening on the screen every now and then i pressed a keyboard button every now and then i pressed a button on the mouse just to keep the action going but i was more so just sitting back and going wow the production values of this thing are off the charts i'm playing on a laptop a 2017 laptop right with a, with a, a you know a 10 1080 a 1070 series uh, video card put into it it's one of the very first times you had a full series video card put in the laptop so it was the first run of laptop and it, play, it looks, looks absolutely phenomenally gorgeous. It looks like it's a like a brand new game, and to me, that's like that. But from a visual standpoint, I mean, purely visual. But my family was kind of like, "What's the the, the game? It's very gamey." It's, it's funny. My daughter said, "This is very gamey, very gamey," <laughs> and she's right. It, it, but yet at the same time, it's not because it's almost all cutscenes so far. It's it's moved the character from one cutscene to the cutscene, and then you have this awesome cutscene. So it's like a movie more than anything else. So to my mind, that's really a massive systemic problem right now in the game industry. It's like, they don't know how to escape this somehow. It's like, you have, you have, you're going to make a story-driven single-player game, this AAA, it has to do it this way. And I'm like, why? Why, 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 why? So Consortium VR is a 1.5 gigabyte um, <laughs> you know, footprint know, on, yeah. your, on, your, on your Quest 2. But it'll take about 10 hours to, to fully complete through the story. And you interact with, what, 25 human beings, virtual human beings in VR. Where you basically get to look them in the eye and say things to them from you get to say things directly to the ai's in their eyes and then you see them respond you sometimes even like our game has a system where every character in the world starts off as a neutral state to you and then as you interact with them they start to develop likes and dislikes to you so if you say something to somebody they don't like right look them in the eyes you say you're an asshole let's say associate. <laughs> Then the the character might be you might see you might you will see if you're watching a micro expression of them come over their face and that tells you that they've just slightly disliked you now a little bit just a little bit they didn't like what you just said and then that builds over time so as you continue to interact with all these characters it'll start to get either you start to have characters like like you less and less or like you more and more and then that will actually get factored in to the storytelling itself later on to determine what's actually possible to happen based on what you develop relationships wise. So the main way, the, the fundamental way in which our game is different is that it respects you being in the world. Not, there's no separation anymore. All, almost all story-driven games have this separation where it's like you're outside and there's everybody that's, is, that's in the production is there on a screen, step separated from you. And every now and then you get to have these sort of controls from far away. Of, oh, I'm pretending that I'm... I'm this person in this world that's there, that's got their own voice, that's saying stuff. That's me. And I'm going to, like, every now and then click some buttons to, like, have some control over what that guy does. Yeah. That's the extent right now of what games do, as opposed to, no, no, no. What if there is no guy that's there, there is no voice? What if that's just you, literally, in the world? And the world around you in VR is simulated to a, in a believable state. People are walking around, doing their jobs, doing their own thing, and you're there. I mean, what game does that? There's no other games that really do that to, to in VR, especially. But but the VR really is, is a perfect medium for this because it's like 
it allows you to be you. You are the camera. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I and, and and you know, sort of thinking back to to games where you know, I, I think back to Halo, right? Like Halo was was a first person game, and they very intentionally never took off Chief's helmet, right? Because you mm -hmm. you, you are, I am Chief. Right. But still, you have right. a voice, right? It's, you know, right. the voice right. actor right. is talking and giving all yes. the lines. Yes. And so there's still that separation, right? But yet, yeah, they still tried a little bit of, like you say, they, the, having the, the helmet there helps people to imagine that could be them, for sure. Yeah. And then, and then you know, as, as sort of time go, goes on, I, kind of a funny anecdote, too. I've been watching this uh, YouTube series on the history of arcade cabinets. And I, I had mostly forgot about... The, the the sort of laser disc era everyone remembers you know mm -hmm. dragon's lair and space ace but there were a bunch of games at the time that came out with you know full motion video backgrounds there oh, were space right. shooters where you you know right. there were like jet fighter games where you'd fly around and there's like you know cheesy old <laughs> polygon graphics over right. like or the FMV. Film skyscapes that you're going through i vaguely remember that that's yeah, the F and V games in general, right? So yeah, and then yeah. when CD ROMs came on, so but but right, like right, you know yeah. these days, like those sort of interactions, you know they're they, you know I'm thinking of you know Call of Duties and 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 Last of Us and other kind of narrative games where, mm -hmm. um, you know it could be that like you know cut you know effects company has rendered <laughs> like scene here with characters in it. Sometimes it'll be, you know, so it, they won't sort of break from the live, uh, you know, gameplay rendering like in, in Last of Us. But right, 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 right. Yeah, to 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 just, I, I I can't think of a game that's fully done like, you know, it is really just you. How yep. how do you yep. how do you interact with the characters in the game? Is it I, I, like, you know, my voice? I'm just speaking to them. You yep. don't have like full on voice recognition. Yes. There, like Alexa. Style? Yes. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. We actually five years ago we had a we had a breakthrough. Um, we were working with a company called Nuance Communications uh, with their R and D group. It's actually funny, funny because I was at GDC. I think it was 2016. I was in line to see a VR demo, and the guys I was next to in line happened to be these two guys working at a R and D division of Nuance Communications. We started chatting, and they're like, "Yeah, we're working on voice recognition for what we could do with games." And I was just like, "Uh." Wow, we should talk because our game could use that really nicely. So we, we started talking. That led that led to a meeting the year after at GDC when it was a serious sit down meeting. I was like, okay, let's start collaborating. So we did. We started collaborating, and we basically worked with them to integrate their their voice recognition tech into our game, so that when options came up for you to be able to say something to an in game character, you simply can just choose the line you want to say, say it yourself. It'll recognize you said it, and then you get a response. So we got that working in the tower at the time. And uh, it was like, this is amazing. But then we also said to ourselves, you know, the tower, by definition, has way less emphasis on interpersonal communication and talking. Our first game was all about talking. It's all about interpersonal communication and relationships. So we really need to get voice working with our first game. But then we thought, oh, our first game is Source Engine. It's like, it's a rotting engine at this point. It's like, okay, we can't do much of that. It's okay, let's bring it yeah. into real. So that kind of facilitated us basically then creating version two of our voice recognition tech, we dropped the nuance tech and it basically, there was a really cool open source uh, solution called Voss. Well, it's just, there's, there's a bunch of different names for it, but the the, the, the wrapper is called Vosk. And it, I mean, basically it's better than the nuance solution. It, it does use, it actually uses AI. There's an AI it'll use to create the library 
of, of okay. essentially sounds that it recognizes. So, so you know, we basically integrated the system where basically we, you say whatever you say a line, it tells you what it thinks you said. And then we basically we take that and we compare it to the strings of things the player can say. And then we do some fuzz, fuzzy logic stuff to allow it so the player can really mess around with the lines. But the gist of the line is still said, okay, fire it. Yeah. Which basically means now, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, just, I'm, that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, so 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 now it's pretty cool. So you can actually mess around with the lines. You can just say a few key words from the lines; it'll still trigger. So so you can kind of get into character. You can get into do voice acting yourself and completely make yourself a part of the story if you want to. Um, completely immerse yourself. Pretend you're actually a character. Voice set. Get dramatic. You know, say the lines in dramatic ways. Add stuff beforehand. Add stuff afterwards. It'll still recognize it. And you'll still get that response. So to me, this is like obviously the very beginning. Like it feels like I honestly have just started in the game industry today. Like, I, it's, it's like, it's, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, forget all the games I've ever worked on ever. All I care about is consorting VR because I, in my opinion, it is like, a, it's, I'm not even saying the game itself is like, uh, you know, in itself uber brilliant or, you know, it's, it's very, it's relatively lo-fi production, but it's the, it's the, it's the paradigm itself. It's the, the way in which we're engaging players to basically just simply inhabit the world they're in and be able to and have, have that freedom to decide, okay, I'm going to go into here now and talk to this person. I'm going to go here and do this now. And it's like the game just simply recognizes what you're doing, allows you to have that freedom. And then things start happening. People start saying things. People start having it all. And you'll, you'll be amazed how often it's remembering things you've done. And then the, so the story becomes more and more catered to you. So, so think about it as like um, uh, the game adjusting its style based on what kind of player you are. So if you want to be an asshole person and say na nasty things to everybody, you kind of can. You can walk around and be a complete dick. And then, and then get to the point where combat could happen, where there's like a bad guy and he's like, he's like threatening to board the craft you're on and you can get, well, come on. Screw, come on, do it. Come on, board it. I dare you. And he goes, okay, fine. And then they board and there's this big fight. And then shields and guns and all this stuff comes out. There's explosions and particle effects. It's like it's almost like a video game suddenly, right? But it's it's the context of the story. It only the fight only happened because that's what happened in the story. It's not like it's a fight because it's a video game and you're gonna have bad guys to kill now. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's not. It's, I wouldn't even say Consortium VR is a video game. It's just an interactive story that requires the player to be as part of it to work. It's not something that can work without the player being act and active and actively involved in it <laughs> do, do you know what i mean yeah. um yeah so it, it, it's it's essentially like so if you yeah you can go you can get violent you can be violent you can kill and then of course the world will react to you you're supposed to be a consortium bishop which in our universe's lore is a peacekeeper who's trying to save lives and do good so if you just if you don't act like the consortium bishop you get people yelling at you and being angry at you and such which is fine you can totally do that the game allows you to do that you can so that's the point is it's freedom but or you can like say nice things be nice be, 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 um, you know, be, uh, just be a nice person. And you can also say the right things and be diplomatic. And then the guns never come out. And the entire game is just you saying the right things. And the guns are, are like threatening to come out. You know, the guns, guns are being pointed at you. You know, you can pull a gun out whenever you wanted to, if you want to, because you're kind of in that, that kind of cool, like, <laughs> oh my God, is, is fighting going to happen here? I don't know. If I say the right things, maybe it won't. And then if sure enough, you say the right things and it doesn't, you can manage to get through just the diplomacy. So again, that, that it, 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 pacifists can play our game, but also people that are, so, it, so it's, 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 it's a completely different paradigm that way. It's not, um, it's, but at the same time, it is an authored experience, like a film. So consortium VR will, will always exist now. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a, it's a baked piece of software, just like any single player game. It's baked and always will be baked. But there's a paradigm there that I frankly think could lead to like, millions of new of, of incredibly amazingly deep experiences that we, we, we haven't even 
thought about being possible yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just that the, the mind just goes, oh my God, there's so many things that we could do with this, right? Beyond our little, you know, our little futuristic sci-fi game, you know? Yeah. And, and I, you know, just, so I just got back from GDC and, and, uh, you know, that was all anyone was talking about is machine learning and AI and, you know, chat right. GPT is just, just all yeah. fucking out of nowhere, just yeah. all of a sudden so much. Chat GPT is amazing. Really. And like, you know, you think about yeah. playing a game like, wow. And, you know, there's a, a writer has, has customized all this, mm -hmm. um, dialogue mm -hmm. and, you know, part, part of the thing that here's something that I thought about that it's at odds. And I'm curious, which maybe your thoughts on like how, how we address it. Like we're, we're always trying to like make the games more immersive, feel like real spaces. Like we're talking to actual people and I, you may be one of the first games and, and that's really fucking amazing. Like. You know, I think a lot of us think about sort of going down in history. You want to try to do not just a clone that everything else is done, but to, to say that you're the first game to do like some advanced new thing is kind of amazing. Thank you. But that's why that's why we're pumped. <laughs> taking it even a step further too, like you kind of imagine that little dialogue block might go away. I'm, I'm thinking of like you know a cyberpunk mm. or Shadowrun like game where mm -hmm. you're just in a world filled with people and all of them will have a chat GPT agent. Oh, <laughs> you can ask them anything you want. You can just go off on yeah. conversation tangents, and so that yeah. raises a few problems, right? One sure is does. <laughs> you know what about you know how do you gate them? How, how do you put constraints on that? Because you don't want them yeah. asking about today you know the election last year or something right like yeah you can go off the rails real quick we yeah. want to keep the confines of the game world yeah going so you need, <laughs> you need to put bumpers on it um, yes yes yeah no absolutely then, there's bigger problems then, than that though fundamental problems right because so like, uh, while it sounds it sounds neat to do that the real problem is it's going to immediately go off the rails because there's no narrative constraints like like our game only works because there is an actual narrative where characters are fully fleshed out. They have agendas, and you're you're kind of you're kind of in this system. You're in this matrix, and that you have freedom, but it's still within the confines of the written narrative. Um, if you add in this sort of chat GPT, you have no idea what the player is going to say, type thing. Um, it could be quite complicated. You 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 probably still have to have. You can't just rely upon you know. You probably have to have some kind of system where it recognizes you're saying something that is too far outside the context of the story of the world. And that you'd have responses be along the lines of, you're talking nonsense. Get back to what we're talking about or something like that, right? There'd have to yeah. be some kind of thing like that, right? Where you're kind of going so far outside the realm. But it's definitely very complicated. I, I think that I'm not sure that actually it's wise to immediately jump into trying to make a game like that right now. I, I, in, my, in my mind, like, learn what we did first. Be honest with you. I don't, I don't mean this from an ego perspective, yeah. but we did fucking do this. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> it's there. You can play through a game. It takes 10 hours to play a game that is on the, on the, on the, you know, on a VR story game with characters that you talk to. It's like, what? This doesn't exist. Well, it does. It does now. <laughs> so in my mind, like figuring that, because, because honestly, our game, we, you know, the total budget of this thing from the beginning, I mean, it took 15 years to make this, right? I started modeling the plane that concerning VR is in, in 2007 in the hammer editor. Oh, wow. right? I started designing and building the aircraft, scaling it up and stuff. So it's been 15 years, literally to take to make this, but now huge teams you know teams like infinity ward and respawn and, and remedy and all these gigantic companies that are of course very very invested in the current way games are you know they have the infrastructures that's a bit, one of the biggest problems with any kind of trying to create change like this is that you have all this momentum 
this financial and structural and institutional momentum behind these big companies that are that just they, they, their business operates in a certain way and they they know their fans expect certain things and this the business model relies upon the game being structured in a certain way and completely coming up with a new paradigm is really hard right that's why hopefully us coming in can help that because i'm hoping that some people those companies will study our game and go oh shit, we could make like a, a 50 million dollar budget version of this and it will blow everyone away forever you know what i mean like it's seriously like you could you could make a sitcom where the whole game is no weapons no guns no inventory no sci-fi crap at all it's just like a modern day sitcom like a sitcom, like Blackish, really funny sitcom. My family, the family I've been watching. Imagine being able to just drop yourself into that show, be inside the household <laughs> as a family member, or maybe as a visitor or something. And you walk around, all these characters are scripted to be their characters, voiced by their characters. You're in a, you're in that episode, but yet you can like, what can I do here? You can walk up and say things, and then change what happens just by saying things, just by saying, yeah. just by interacting with them, talking to them, looking at them. Look, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's, 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 it's the mind boggles as though you could have like. A new kind of weekly um episodic you know storytelling experience but it's complete it's a vr and it's completely interactive and every episode that, that every episode that follows is unique to every individual so rather than everybody going online and discussing oh episode three was really cool the show oh yeah yeah everybody's discussing the exact same thing instead episode three sucked this character like hated me and kicked me out of the house and the person's like what that didn't happen for me this character loves me I think da, 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 da. what the hell and it's you know that's just it you have these threads that are that are open that are opened up by all these by, by, the, by the writers of of of, of the interactive screenplay that have like that they've create crafted this big overarching narrative that allows players to, to look at it from many different angles but no matter how many angles you look at it it's still an authored narrative <laughs> that's just simply taking into account the, the the actual player being in it as opposed to watching it so I, I, like when, when consortium was was released people were saying oh a game breaks the fourth wall it actually didn't it harnessed the fourth wall it's a fundamental difference right it, it goes let's harness it let's take into this bring the player in invite the player in on the storytelling and have the game unfolding to me, that's 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 the paradigm. We all, as industry, really, it's, it, we we owe it to ourselves and all our customers to do that to, in some way, shape, or form, to finally invite players in, because in my mind, that's that's how you really, like, like I don't know, the potential to expand human consciousness is off the charts, in my opinion, for this, because there's so many different types of experiences you could have. Like, imagine being able to go back in time into into ancient Rome and walk around the Roman Colosseum fully created, fully realized, all Romans walking around speaking in Latin, <laughs> and you can walk up and talk to these people, and they talk like they actually would, and you can ask them what they do, they're, what, what are you doing are you doing today? Oh, I'm going on, and, you, and all this historically accurate stuff is coming out. I mean, that would be, a, that would be an educational experience that would, would never be forgotten to any kid that jumps into it. Like, I went to Rome, and I talked to people in Rome. That's what it literally would be, and that's what our tech is enabling right now. Like, there's just a gigantic, array of stuff that now we can do that's so much better than what's currently being produced <laughs> you know like the i don't know it's just it's off the charts you know it really is um <clears throat> yeah like, my, my mind's going a little wild with uh imagining <laughs> what right right i'm picturing like yeah. you know rick and morty episodes or there you go. where you know they have crafted the story and the experience and if you don't join it interactively it plays out and you can just watch it as an episode Oh yeah, you could do that. Or, or you know, you could do that. Say there's avatars of all the actors. Yes, exactly. Dialogue, and they've acted it, but they have the 
like systems are set up to break and then and then imp like yes. let you interact. And so now you've got yep, the audience exactly. or the players, uh, I don't know which are we talking about, that are injecting themselves into these scenes and yep. fucking with it. Yeah, like wild shit they could get the yep. the actors to do and say and yeah how off the rails they can take it and making their own little variants of the experience like exactly yeah exactly is... exactly that's just a really cool idea the idea that you could have future shows could have a VR component that allows you to see the actually to be in the show rather than just watch it passively um, that's really cool to have it so that yeah you just say there's a big narrative that you can watch it passively or you can jump in and there's all kinds of different places you can take it yeah yeah I mean that's it's just up to the showrunners right up to the writers really um deciding how they want the player involved in what way does the player get involved how are they you know how they caught up in it and there's so and then that in itself has a whole slew of possibilities of how the player could be involved in what ways can the player be involved that's up to the writers it's entirely up to the imagination of the script of the interactive screenwriters right like it really is like our paradigm is kind of like a film paradigm where it starts with the screenplay and then the game follows the screenplay hardcore like if you look at all of our games it starts that Steve wrote the screenplay. The game is just following the screenplay. Just like when you build a, a write a screenplay for a film and the film usually follows the screenplay. <laughs> um, that's not supposed to work, right? It's the same yeah. paradigm. It is. It's just, it's just, a, it's just, a, it's just a, it's rather than it being a linear screenplay, it's an interactive screenplay that just has trees built into it, right? And player choices built into it. Man, that's, yeah. that's uh, amazing, inspirational. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's yep. talk about, um, a little thing I saw in the news, the BAFTA Awards this this uh, couple of days ago, uh, a little indie retro game took Game of the Year, which was, uh, I think the, the team themselves were shocked by. Um, they beat out uh, God of War. They beat out Elden Ring. Vampire Survivors was, Good for them. was <laughs> the BAFTA winner. This the year. Indies win. <laughs> I see the, the Indies won. That's the way I see it. Absolutely. Uh, I I'm kind of stoked to see that, honestly. Me too. Uh, I just downloaded the game and played the bejesus out of it over the weekend it is a lot of fun it's pretty addictive uh yeah what, what what's your gut um yeah that 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 is yeah out of the blue to see a, a little indie retro project take a, a a big award like that yeah I, it's nice to see because it's clearly someone that's looking at the game it, both its simplicity and its elegance and saying you know and the fact that as you say it can, it can it, it, any single plot any platform can play it so there's a there's a there's a genius original innovation to the core loop, and and there's elegant and so I think I think it's it's there's a bit of like it's it's nice to go simple sometimes it, the over complexity the massive productions that are less and less game like I think this is a bit of a this is kind of like a rocking the boat thing like come on we need to make more games like this you can think outside the box more new stuff new stuff new stuff we're desperate for new things that's the gist I get from this award is that there's kind of a general outcry across the entire you know, consumer industry really that's kind of getting sick of the same old things over and over again. You know, it, the AAA yeah. games are so formulaic more and more and more, and they're not they're not doing anything new. And I think this is sort of just like a no. You know, it's it's a way it's a slap across the wrist of like these big AAA productions. You can't just keep doing the same thing. You're not going to just keep winning the awards automatically. You know what I mean? The innovation at some point will take you out. <laughs> that's what you yeah. know. It's cool to see. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna put a little <laughs> marker here because. My AC is making a ton of noise, and I'm going to go okay. turn it off real quick. One second. Yep.
Part AC, part the plumber. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you got a plumber working in the background on something? Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, he's upstairs, but uh, yeah, the, got it. It's backed up. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Uh, we live in an old ass house from like 1932 oh, or wow. something like that. And uh, yeah, the plumbing, uh, you know, probably four or five <laughs> got issues. Here. We got to have them out. Yeah. Old houses. Yep, yep. Um, all right, continuing on. Um, yeah, the so Vampire Survivor, the controls are are super simple. It's it's literally just movement. So you can play it on any platform. I'm I'm kind of stoked yeah. too that I, I know for my wife, uh, her mom, you know, they don't they don't really touch video games. If you didn't come up when we did with first person controls, two thumbsticks and you know, fifteen buttons. It is hard to navigate the 3D spaces that most video yeah. games are. So, yeah, there, there's definitely a place for games that are, you know, sort of back to the 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 origin, back to the roots, to where, mm -hmm. you know, in order to onboard someone to video games, you can't have all that. Like my wife, you know, just kind of looks at the ground <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> she like she will get used to like looking straight ahead after a little while, but it's enough that she it it's you know pretty rough for her to get sucked into a game so yeah i'm i'm really stoked to see them good good job to the the team that made vampires oh, yeah, it's fantastic <laughs> like, it's amazing that they that they that they love that yeah that means that that they made it happen i mean it, it's like it, to me it, it definitely it lends itself to like there's a chance there's certainly a chance if you have something really original to have a breakout you know no matter how much no matter what your production value is so it's, it's sort of like a signal call to all indie developers around the world that you can get massive recognition, right? So it's, it's inspirational in itself, as opposed to, oh, another award ceremony, oh, some big AAA production company is going to win, same old, same old. Yeah, it's, someone's kind of going, let's throw a wrench into the works. <laughs> Good. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you, uh, tell, tell us about uh, your your love for games. What what are you playing lately, What right now? What are some of the yeah. favorite games that, that what, what did you spend more time with than any other game? What's really oh, you Oh, that's an easy question. Phasmophobia. I, 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 Phasmophobia. I haven't played that. Oh my God. It, I, I think it's it's probably my f most my favorite multiplayer game of all time. <laughs> like it, it, it is, it, and one of the main reasons is that, is that finally, there's a fantastically engaging, fun multiplayer game type that isn't about running around and shooting, destroying and killing things, other people or things. It's just, it's like finally, and the game is about collecting evidence and hunting for ghosts. It's about going into a house that's haunted, trying to find out where the ghost is and then trying to determine what the ghost is from its evidence based on its behavior. So you have all these tools at your disposal you can put down to try to look for the evidence. And at a high level, you know, each tool will give you one of the evidence. Like if you see, for instance, dots, it's this machine in the ground that has these dots spreading everywhere. And a ghost will occasionally interact with it. You'll see like a ghost, the figure go through it. Like, okay, that means this ghost has dots. So you can mark it on your field. But if you play at higher difficulty levels, it's more than that. you got to like watch their behavior where they're hunting. And it, it, it's incredibly deep. So it's basically, it's, 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 there's, a, there's a duality to it. But you go in there with a buddy or not, and you try to slowly try to find out what the ghost is. But at the same time, you have a sanity meter that's dropping. And as the sanity drops below 50%, there's then a chance 
every 30 or so seconds of the ghost hunting. Basically, just it goes corporeal and starts running around randomly looking for players to kill. If it sees you, it comes at you and kills you at various speeds and various behavior types. Um, and that's that's the loop of the game. And the idea is that there's a whole bunch of different locations. There's big locations, a prison, a high school, multiple houses. Um, and, and you see each one has its pros and cons. The level of, of like the geniusness behind the actual game design is off the charts. Uh, so we've been playing a lot. Uh, it's kind of our go-to game, team building, you know, sort of uh, fun kicking off Steam game where, yeah, we, we go in and we, uh, we're getting really good at it now. We can play Nightmare and figure out what the ghost is out every time. And we're also seeing all the flaws in the game. So there's a strong desire we've built, we've been building up to make our own ghost game now. So we've kind of got the DNA starting to form for what our next non-consortium game, our first non-consortium game since we've existed, is going to be. Um, and it's going to be a ghost hunting game for sure. And it's going to probably harness a lot of what Phasmophobia did well. It's, it's very successful on Steam, like ridiculously successful on Steam. Um, and, and, and it's an early access game. It already has something like 10 clones. <laughs> it's, it's already created the genre, even though it's early access. you got tons of kind of trying to kind of catch its tails. You know, it's, it's, our industry is weird. But um, but yeah, it's it's a pretty fantastic game. Highly recommend it. Anybody that hasn't played it. Because it's, it's, it makes you think. It makes you... You know, uh, it, it makes you um, think about where to, where to hide when it's hunting. Thinks about there's a lot of thought behind it, but there's no there's no doesn't trigger the basic oh kill 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 or be killed instinct that so many games do. And I personally grow tired of. it. I played a lot of PUBG, but I I'm not sure I'm ever going to go back and play a battle royale ever again. I, I feel like I've been there and done that. You know, the idea of going jumping into a big open world that's full of nobody except murderers walking around looking for gear to kill you. It's yeah. just like okay, you know, just, you play that for a while. There's a certain sense of, of you know, the 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 your 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 the lizard brain kicking in at full bore. I mean, I remember some sessions of PUBG where I'd I'd come out of it, my heart's pounding, and I'm like, I feel like I just got chased through the jungle by ten tigers. <laughs> no, I barely yeah. survived. So that's why clearly why that that model works and why it's dug into so many people and why they're so entrenched into it. But I think that that's a dangerous spot to be. If you're constantly triggering that lizard brain thing, and that's not a very fun spot to be. Those instincts are in there for, are for they're, they're meant to, you know, keep us alive. And they're not meant to, you, you know, leverage them just for entertainment value, which is what Battle Royale games do, right? They just constantly push that lizard brain to the extreme, right? Yeah. And it gets, <laughs> it, hooks, it gets its hooks in you because of that. Um, but, you know, Fasmo definitely, I, you know, and I'll poke around and play lots of weird indie games, you know, I could take a look at the, I quickly take a look at I the love, Steam. Uh, one of my so, favorite uh, every GDC, the two like must go see things uh, for me are the the indie section. I love just seeing what oh, yeah. small Definitely. crews and and college teams are doing. Yeah, and uh, the exhibit called Alt Dot Control. Have you checked that out? Alt Dot Control. No, I don't think so. Actually, oh, dude, go to it every GDC. It okay, is a yeah. riot. So basically, the the gimmick of this like exhibit there's usually like 20 or so games there uh but none of them can use a conventional controller so oh. a, few, <laughs> a few years ago there was like a caterpillar simulator and the controller was you get in a sleeping bag and you like squirm around <laughs> move. like just that the, sounds dumbest, awesome. the dumbest stuff it's so it's awesomely fun. dumb yes <laughs> there, there was a toilet plunger controller for one game there was, a, there was a couch where you had to like the couch was haunted, so you had to like stand up and sit down. It's just like the stupidest, funniest, weird little yeah, no commercial experimental weird things whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're really fun to to just check out and see. Uh, yeah, I will. I, I will actually make a video of them every year, but super cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, 
here's a question that came up for me uh, recently. I wanted to ask you too, and, sure. and this is pretty uh, this is pretty wide open. What what makes a great game? Oh yes, right. I, you know, right now, especially when the very definition of what a game is is in question, that's it's a particularly hard question to be able to answer definitively and not have someone go, oh, you're not taking this new account, you're not taking that into account. So it's so, but I, but I guess if I had to boil it down enough, I, I think what makes a great game is is memor memorability, like just simply remembering something from that game and never forgetting it. I think that's the sign of a great game. I, I'm not sure that it, again, the game that's not great if you don't remember things from it, it's not great. <laughs> So it's memorability, something that it does some clever trick or it's, there's a moment that happens that you've never had before. You're like, oh my God, a good example is Ultima 4. I'll never forget. I was like, it was like 1990 or some goddamn thing. And I'm playing Ultima 4. Ultima By the way, 4. I'm playing Ultima 4 right now. What? What? I'm going through the whole Ultima series. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> I just played a Calabath 1, 2, and 3. I can't believe you finished those early games. Those, are, those games are crazy. <laughs> Those really, really Ultimas are total in nutcase. I don't know how anyone finished Ultimas. Exactly, Ultima exactly. I know. That game was so, like, just it's a clue in it, or, like, so obscure. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Bar's Tale 2 is the same way. Utterly unfinishable. It's so ridiculously hard. <laughs> it's, 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 um, but, yeah, no, I, Ultima 4, I'll never forget the moment where I, like, I the, getting getting all of the virtues, having to go give money to the beggar and having to go to this. And then getting into that balloon and going to that aisle at the very, very end, uh, it just, I, I'll never forget it. It was just this awesome sense of anticipation. I'm going to find this final book. It's just, I was completely caught up in the whole universe. I was just, I was there, you know, and I'll never forget it. Um, and there's plenty of other games that have done that. So I think that memorability is a big one. You know, they, they say, you know, like you can sort of, I can say all the basic generic things like, in, you know, that, that, that it's fun or whatever, but that's also equally as meaningless, right? What is, what is fun, right? I, I'm um, going to... I think memorability is a big one. To What's prove that? it, <laughs> here are my Ultima Four notes that I'm writing. Oh man, right now. awesome! That is a bizarre coincidence. I happen to just pull that pull that game out of all the bajillions of games I played. That's what, and you're playing it now. Yeah, look at that. You're actually making maps and stuff, eh? Pages of like there's small oh, gray. So cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're legit playing it. You're playing it like it was played back in the day. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. I will occasionally. Cool. There's an there's an Ultima Dragons Facebook group, which was the old like they've got a whole funny, crazy history, the Prodigy server stuff. But yeah, I will occasionally ask them like, give me a hint on a thing. Uh, so the I haven't yeah. found the balloon yet, and yeah, I'm okay. trying to find. I've got seven of the eight virtues. I have not found the mantra for humility yet. So I'm going around to the last like kind of side towns to to find that uh <laughs> great yeah. great game great series. amazing yeah. credit ultima more than any other game for why i got into game development i was yeah i would say ultima great. 4 is one huge huge thing same here bar's tale as well the original bar's tale on uh, bar's tale 3 and bar's tale 4 the best known as dragon wars i, I, I hailed those <laughs> games on the control i have i have books actually i like like the notes you have here i, I had like little notebooks for each game so i had a notebook for bar's tale 1 bar's tale 2 3 and Dragon Wars. And I kept them all these years. And with Bar's Tale 1 recently got released. So this is like I made these like 30 years ago. The Bar's Tale 1 got released, just a, the new one, the updated version, right? About a year and a half ago or two years ago, whatever it was. And I, I played it again. I put it the game, played the whole thing, but with my book, using my notes as a guide to get to the dungeons and such. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was yeah, particularly really, really like full circle kind of thing. It was, it was, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So people online are like, well, hey, I've, I've mapped all the dungeons. I'm like, no, I, that's the fun, is it? Like, yeah. That's like, true. Doing the actual mapping, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had to like literally 
yeah, on graph paper draw maps, I, I am on a grid. writing yep. down every like key conversation of every person in every town. Like, <laughs> cause like you can't, you kind of can't beat it without that. And that's how you played it, you know, pre-internet. Yeah. Maybe, you know, you yeah. got a, another buddy in junior high that give you, I'll tell you one, one funny Ultima hint to a, a buddy in junior high told me, I can't remember if it was Ultima three or four, but if you go, uh, if you exit Britannia and you put the wrong disc in, cause you know, you had to, so I played on Apple too. The switching floppies. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> They're like put in disc three side yeah. B and go 17 <clears throat> steps right and 15 steps down or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. And you'd be in what was the middle of the ocean. And there was a chest there that never went away. So you could just get it like over and over and over again and max out your money. <laughs> oh, funny. I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember that exploit. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but those are super but, fun games. That's um, like, that's like the old wizardry where you keep going. You could, you could, you could go back up and down between the, the, the up, upstairs and that one, that one monster and just, just farm experience points over and over and over again. I remember getting to the point where I just, I was just hitting the keys like crazy. It was going up and down, up and down. I was just having this fight over and over and over again, just farming the crap out of it. But it's like, yeah. how long do I want to do this? How much level do I want to get to? You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, thank game. you very much, game. Gregory, for coming on Architects of Imagination. It's been My great pleasure. to have you here. Thank you so much, um, David. Wonderful. Tell us, uh, have you got uh, socials that people can follow you on? I, IDGI underscore one is Twitter. Uh, our website is IDGI1.ca. Uh, you get our Discord uh, channel is on the front page there. Um, we're on Facebook as well, IDGI, Interdimensional Games, Inc., yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna check out uh, the consortium tonight. That sounds really amazing. Consortium right? VR on the. Do you have a Quest too? I do. Yeah. Do, do you have Do you have PC VR set up per, per se? Yeah. Okay. Well, we have this, we have a PC built too. Better graphics. Okay. If you want to play, play yeah. that instead? Yeah. <laughs> I'll check that out for sure. We're, we're actually we're probably gonna be releasing that very shortly into early access. We've been holding on to it, but we're probably gonna release that this like in the twenty first uh, into early access. On I got a sneak peek. I love it. <laughs> so you're gonna sneak peek, hundred percent. Yeah, I'll get you a key there. No problem. <laughs> right on. And thank you to uh, our executive producer, Martika Ibarra. Thank you to Alex, our, our editor. Uh, and thank everyone for tuning in and enjoying Architects of Imagination. Mm -hmm.